You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Well, I mean, I want to invite uh, Roy up. Uh, I'm not sure where he's at, but Roy, come on up. We're going to be reading Scripture together. So as Roy comes on up, please rise as for the reading of Scripture, reading of God's Word. We're into 1 John uh, chapter 1 this morning. I got it on for you. Yeah, so if you've got your Bible. Yeah, yeah. This is from the ESV, the word of life, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Roy. Well, good morning, church, the Shore Church. My name is Jer, and that's going to stay there. Perfect. I want to tell you a little bit about myself. As I was walking through this text, uh, I'm always trying to think about, like, what pops into my mind, and this popped into my mind. I have no idea why, but when I grew up, like, grade six to nine, I lived in Sherd Park, Alberta. It was just outside of Edmonton, so you had this really, really cold winter, and then really dry summer. Everything was brown, no, no mountains whatsoever. You could see your dog run away for like three days. It was pretty amazing. And so I grew up in this short, in short park, and it was, a, it was a really fun, actually, place to grow up. Like, my parents had this acreage, and so we, we lived on this acreage, and my, my dad um, loved his kids, and so what did he do? He didn't even talk to my mom. He bought us a motorbike, and I remember this time, like, he comes home with his motorbike, and my mom is like losing it, and we're so excited, Dad, you're the best. And we're going, now we've got this dirt bike in grade seven, booting it up, like all these trails, and through the backwoods, and, and finding ways that, to get around all the way, drive, maybe even driving to our school. Uh, mom, you didn't hear that. Uh, but that, that's kind of what we were doing, and it was a great place to live. And, and next door neighbor, like, we had, like I said, we lived on this acreage, and my next door neighbor, there was no house, there was an empty lot. And there's this, this big, huge pond there. And because we're in Edmonton, everything froze, right? And so we got to play outside hockey, cleaned it off, iced it up even more. And we played hockey as we were growing up on the neighbor's pond. And it was so fun. It was a great place to grow up. And I still have friends, actually, that I connect with that are back there. But remember, this is a long time ago. Like, this is when I was in grade 6 to 9. And so this is like early 80s, mid-80s uh, time. And you remember those times, right? Rolled up jeans, which is coming back, right? It's already back and kind of gone again already. But rolled up jeans, uh, golf shirts with the collar popped, right? You remember this? Golf shirts, collar. And if you were like super cool and super bold, you'd wear two golf shirts and pop both collars, right? Some of you guys remember that, like double collar up. It was like you were super tight and super cool. Like it was a great, great fit for you, right? And there was like cut off shirts to show your abs, 
right? Because everybody had abs back then. No. Uh, but you had the cut-off shirts and the Bermuda shorts, the, the really colorful, long, hanging shorts, Bermuda shorts. And, man, this was, like I said, this was a fun time. And being in the mid-'80s, you guys remember that time if you're a hockey fan, right? We had Wayne Gretzky, Yari Curry. Like, we were winning every single Stanley Cup. And we, I remember this time, we were, my brother and I, we got to go to the arena, and it was like the first game back when they were hanging another Stanley Cup banner into the rafters. Sorry, Canucks fans. But another one, and my brother and I were like this close, screaming at each other because that was the only way we could hear each other. Like, I remember it was like yesterday. Like, just yelling, isn't this amazing? It's like, what? I was like, never mind. Ah! And you're just yelling. You're so excited. And also in the mid-'80s, something called the West Edmonton Mall was built and opened, right? A, an, a mall that had a roller coaster, a water park, and everything in between. Like, when the West Edmonton Mall was built, there was more submarine. I don't know if this is a true fact, all right? Just throwing it out there. But what I heard, anyways, was that there was more submarines in West Edmonton Mall than the, the Canadian Navy, Right, which is possibly true, right? Possibly true. We got a lot of coastland, but uh, zero submarines. Uh, but Westman Mall has some, right? Because there's this underwater park thing that you could ride the submarine. There's dolphin shows. There was a full-on ice rink, which the Oilers would practice at every once in a while. Like, it was insane. Like, this was a mall that you would go to. Well, I'm sharing all of this because this is about 40 years ago. About 40 years ago, and I remember it like it was yesterday. We're starting the book of 1 John, and this was written about 50 to 60 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. And I remember a time I was at the water park, and my buddies and I, just there was a reminder, we were in junior high, so really goofy kids. Here's a little picture of what I was like. All right, so we're, we're playing around in the, water, in the inner tube ride and, and we see this guy like standing poolside, like just confident as ever, donning this leopard skin Speedo. Like you didn't see much of these back then, all right? And we were like just staring, just in awe of this guy. And then we looked at each other in our junior high minds and was like, the Europeans are coming. And then we swam away and like just killed ourselves laughing. But it was like, I remembered it was like yesterday. And this first John was written, this little epistle of John's was written to help straighten out the church. Because there was some false teaching going on. Again, 50 to 60 years after Jesus ascended into heaven and beginning to false teachers begin to see an open door to actually spread a false gospel. And it was called Gnosticism. There's Gnostics out there begin to spread this supernatural wisdom that they only heard from God, that they only got. It was an esoteric knowledge. It was, a, it was an evil knowledge that they began to spread around. And they, got, they spread around like the virgin birth wasn't actually happening. There's something else that's greater that, that will bring you salvation. Uh, the resurrection actually didn't take place. Jesus' virgin birth, not a thing. And so they began to spread this gospel. So John writes this amazing little letter to straighten out the church, to assure the church in Ephesus and the surrounding area of their faith. That's what we're going to be studying for the next couple of months. 
So as we begin, let me pray for us one more time and then we'll jump into the text. Jesus, I pray that we will hear what you have for us clearly from your already written word, that we will continue to lean and glean from it. And Lord, that we will be encouraged over these next few months as we study this amazing little book that was written to the church thousands of years later, but still is so applicable for today. And so help us, Lord, be assured of our salvation. What a question. Am I assured of my salvation in this? How do I know? And so this, this book gets there. And so help us, Lord, study and realize and just, Lord, please fill us with your spirit to awaken us to the truths of Scripture. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got three points. You can see them on the screen. The three points for this morning outline is confessing the true Jesus. This is what John's whole point was, to, to bring in life into the church. Again, reminding them of the true Jesus. And then the second point is fellowship. You can see it in verse 3. It says it actually three times there. And then the last one is in verse 4, and that's joy. All right, so let's walk through it together. The first point, confessing the true Jesus. I've got it uh, all colored up here on the screen, and you can see it. And the reason for that, I want to point out a few things. And the reason I've got it colored, the colors match each other. So if it's red in a couple places, it's meant to be red in a couple places. If it's green, it's meant to be green. If it's blue, it's meant to be blue because it's saying the same thing. John is trying to awaken us to something here. So let's read it together. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So a few things, like I said, to point out, John is repeating himself over and over and over again. But the main thing is the first line there, that which was from the beginning, and we can see it again later on concerning the word of life, and again the eternal life which was with the Father. What is he pointing out here? He's pointing out that Jesus is eternal. Jesus was and is and always will be. And, we, and John is trying to help the church be awakened to this point. Jesus is eternal. The Gnostics brought all kinds of confusion, but while John sets the church straight, is reminding the church that this is the Jesus that came by, by way of a virgin, performed many miracles that we could never, ever record all of them. Like, let me prove that to you. And, and if you want to flip in your Bibles and just see it for yourself, and it's in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And right at the end of John, oh, I beat you, sword drill. It says this, now in verse 25, I think it says 25. I don't have magnifying glasses. Now there are the many, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the Jesus that John is talking about. This is the Jesus. The one that we have touched, seen, looked upon. That God was truly with us in the form of flesh. This is that Jesus. He was not a creation. Jesus is past, present, and future. 
Jesus, Jesus is the eternal God. And we see this all throughout the scripture. We see this being reminded, showing up all throughout scripture. In, in uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, 500 years prior Christ, even walking this earth, it says this, but you, the prophet Micah says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me, for me, one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, is from eternal days, from ancient days. This is an eternal one to come to you, in other words. In John 17, verse 5, this is the high priestly prayer. This is something just to lock into memory. John 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus praying to the Father before his disciples. So that's why we got it documented. It's a beautiful prayer. And Jesus says this, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory, hear this, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So either Jesus is a complete lunatic, a liar, or he is the Lord. He just prayed with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus is eternal. John 1, 1 and 2 and verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then skip down to 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Again, this is John, the same writer, repeating himself in his li this little epistle, reminding the church, guys, I've said this before. Jesus was in the beginning. He was the word of life. This, this one was made manifest to us. He's repeating himself over and over again. Jesus actually stepped out of eternity into time. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. This is going to be tough for you guys to hold on to. That God is fully God, Jesus is fully God and fully human. It's going to be hard to grasp this. But em he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus is the creator, the word of life. All creation is from him and for him. And we saw this last week in Romans eleven thirty six, 36. Right? For him, through him, to him are all things. To him be glory forever. That was on your bulletin, the memory verse for last week. And we have another one this week. But we also see this in Colossians 1.16. Like Paul is repeating himself, just like John is repeating himself. In 1.16 it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is eternal. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. But John 1 says Jesus was there. God created the heavens and the earth. See, John in his writing is telling the reader the most important thing for us to know, that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the perfect Messiah. And then in this little epistle of John's, we can clearly see the deity of Christ. When you write something down, you tend to emphasize it by repeating it, don't you? Over and over again. My daughter writes cards, and she still does to this day, with, 
I love you so, 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 so. She, she's repeating herself because she wants you to understand how much she loves you. Just like John is doing the same. He's emphasizing it, something that he's repeating. John is repeating his gospel letter so no one misses Jesus. Not only does John emphasize Jesus' eternality, but he also nails home Jesus' humanity. Like it's right there in the text. This Jesus is the very one that we heard. Trust me on this. We heard him. We heard him teach and lead and love those around him. Jesus was known as rabbi, the teacher. This Jesus we have seen. We touched him. We grew up with him. We, we studied the Torah together. We challenged the religious. He healed the sick, lame, mute, blind, and deaf. We heard the Father's voice from heaven at his baptism. We saw him walk on water, raise Lazarus from the grave, die on the cross, and rise again. He almost sunk our boat with fish. We ate with him, sang with him, laughed with him, cried with him, saw him transfigured on the mountain, speaking with the Father, and enter a locked room to show us his hands and feet and his side where the spear entered under the ribcage and pierced his heart and people are going do you know Jesus and the answer oh yes we do yes we do we have seen him friends if I can remember a guy donning a speedo like 40 years ago the things that I just read there is no way you would forget there's no way And this is why we have them recorded in our scripture today. This is the Jesus they touched. The senses are their informers of the mind. They leaned on him, washed his feet, and he theirs. They ate with him, reclined at tables with him. They have heard him, seen him, touched him. And from the time the spirit dropped like fire upon the disciples' heads, they proclaimed him. They proclaimed him, and they proclaimed his eternality, his deity, his humanity, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and it's everywhere in Scripture. Here's a couple spots in Romans 1, 3. It says, concerning his son, Jesus, who was descended from David according to the flesh, his humanity. Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, his humanity. Philippians 2, 7, Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Luke 1, 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. In 1 John 5, 18, which we'll hit in a couple months, it says, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. In 1 Timothy 3, 16, it says, great indeed, we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. And Hebrews 2.14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook in the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Over and over and over again, we see in Scripture, in all areas of the Word, His humanity, His eternality as God. Then there's the repeated phrase, the Word of life. Friends, Jesus is life. 
He is your only hope. He speaks life into existence, and by his blood sacrifice, he grants those who believe eternal life. He grants us eternal life in him. He is the true life. He is the resource. He is the source for us to rest our hopes upon. He is the one that saves. He is the one and the only way. Jesus is the one we believe in and confess as fully God and fully man. The only way to salvation is Jesus. The only way. You cannot earn your way. There's no one in this room can, that can do anything. It's Jesus that has done everything. Jesus is life. John emphasized the most important thing to each of us. Without Jesus, we have nothing. But with Jesus, we have everything. We have everything. There is, that's why he calls us to not to worry. You have everything in me. See, John starts with emphasizing Jesus. And then when you have him, his very next emphasis, his very next emphasis is fellowship. Is fellowship. Look at it, verse chapter or verse three B. I love how this verse starts. It says, "So that." So, anytime a "so that" comes up in your in your Bible, take a pen, circle it, put brackets around it, put little dots, highlight that thing because what you're going about to hear is a promise. So that, and then you're going to hear something that's very important. It says, "So that you too may have fellowship with us," and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. All the prelim, this is the Jesus. This is the one from the beginning. We've heard Him. We've seen Him. We've touched Him. We've looked upon Him. And now we proclaim Him. This is the fellowship we have with Him. It's a vertical and horizontal fellowship. And I've used this term over and over again here. I'm going to continually repeat it because it's so incredibly important. We have a vertical relationship with Jesus, a vertical fellowship because of Jesus. Nothing we've done, everything that he's done. We get a vertical relationship. Also, we have a call to horizontally love one another, to have fellowship with one another eternally. And you might feel distant from the Lord, but your salvation is assured. It is locked in. Let me show it. Let me prove it to you. In Romans chapter 8. I don't hear any Bibles turning, but that's okay. Maybe you're scrolling. See if you can beat me. All right, Romans 8. Right at the end of Romans 8, verse 33. There we go. I can hear it. It sounds so sweet. It says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who has, was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you have fellowship with Jesus, it is locked in eternally. It's locked in. 
you have complete assurance of salvation. Our fellowship of the Lord is grace upon grace. No one in this world, let alone this room, deserves to have fellowship with the Father. We don't deserve it. But we have it. And we do because and only because of Jesus' amazing love for us, his sacrifice and his resurrection. And this is the vertical love with God himself. The greatest eternal relationship you will have is with Jesus. The one going back to verse 1 of John, 1 John, it says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. This is the one you have fellowship with. And then the horizontal fellowship is with one another. See, John is reminding us in the church thousands of years later that we are brought in, purchased children of God. Children of God. Like all these little children that were up here that we prayed for earlier. They're your kids. And God looks at us like that. You are his children. He loves you. You're locked in, assured of your salvation when you confess Jesus is Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And there's eternal fellowship with one another. Like, are we getting this? Are we getting this? There's a horizontal relationship. Like, I want to encourage you, when you look around, maybe at the coffee shop and you see other people reading their Bibles or, or praying together, or what, just go over there. Don't interrupt them, but just go over there and just tap them on the shoulder. And it's like, hey, are you a Christian? Or do you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you confessed him as Lord? Praise God. We're family. I have too. We have fellowship with one another, but we also have fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. It's so great to meet you. Or we have this. The gathering of the church. The gathering of those followers of Jesus Christ that have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. And believed upon him by their heart. We're the gathered church. The family, it's a family reunion of sorts. A bunch of sinners getting together but saved by grace and grace only. And it's sweet. And it's sweet. So let's hug one another. Let's greet one another with a joy. Because that's exactly my third point. Because when you have the true Jesus, when you confess the true Jesus, verses 1 through 3, you have this amazing fellowship horizontally, an amazing fellowship that lasts eternally with Christ. And then out of that fellowship, out of that so that, when you truly have that so that, that fellowship, the next one is that you have joy. Take a look at it, verse 4. It says, so that our joy may be complete. Again, another so that. Another promise. See, our joy is complete in Jesus as Lord and Savior, period. No other. And I want you to see something very important. And on this, I invite Cole and Michelle to come back up and close our gathering in worship. But Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, it's on the screen. And if you want, you can turn into your Bibles as well. But man, an incredibly important passage here. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded let me back up a little bit. Chapter 11 is, is like known as the Hall of Faith. If you read through chapter 11, it's all these individuals of, of the past narrative stories. And you get to hear these amazing stories and these men and women of, of faith that God just blesses. And it's so sweet in Hebrews 11. And that's why the therefore is therefore. 
in chapter 12, verse 1. Again, therefore, because of all these faithful before us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. That's a call upon us. Let's lay aside the weight that we carry. Let's lay aside the things that are distracting us from Jesus and Jesus alone. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let's lay those things aside. Let's, let's renounce them. Let's, let's announce Jesus. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So what is set before us? A race. A, a, there's a race to the eternal life with him. And we run as a good athlete. We run with diligence and, and urgency towards Jesus Christ. But look at verse 2. It says this, looking to Jesus, that's how we run, the founder and perfecter of our faith, and get this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Do you see that? His joy, our joy is to have fellowship with him. His joy is that he died for your sin and death and the, the penalty of death. That is his joy. His joy is that his children might be saved eternally. This gives God joy. Isn't that sweet? And by us receiving it gives us joy. Jesus' sacrifice for our sin and the penalty of death, it gave him joy to pay for and receiving his free gift of salvation unites our joy in perfect fellowship. Man, God is good. He is so good. He dies for us because he, he loves us and it gives him joy even to the point of death on a cross. So we confess the true Jesus today. We are reminded of the true Jesus, the one the disciples heard and saw and touched and looked upon and then proclaimed to us through the word of God. And may we do the same. And may it bring eternal fellowship with God and with his children. May, may we have fellowship with one another based on that amazing truth of the true Jesus. And may that bring us eternal joy. And if you haven't experienced the joy of the Lord, I would love to talk to you. Like it, that would give me joy. To talk to you about Jesus. To talk to you about the eternal hope that you have in him. And no sin is too much. And we're going to get to that soon in the book of 1 John, even in the first chapter. And it's so sweet. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for the, your amazing word that we can learn from, that you are the true Jesus, that there is no one like you, that you entered into your own creation. You left your eternal state and entered into time for the very joy to pay for our sin penalty of death that we might live. And so, Lord, if there's any here, even just praying and interceding for those kids in the other room, Lord, that, that they would confess you as Lord and Savior of their life, that we here in this room would confess you as Lord and Savior and that we will run the race with endurance, abiding in your love for us. And I pray this in your amazing, gracious name, Jesus. Amen.